Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than thee? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Now will you kindly turn to 1 Samuel, the 18th chapter, and verse 1. 1 Samuel 18 and verse 1. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day, and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David. And his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle, Kindly turn to Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Returning to John 21, and I may mention by the way, that the Gospel of John can be very nicely divided up into three sections. The first section is life, and the second section is light, and the third section is love. And some would teach that the latter portion is millennial because of Nathaniel there. Speaking of millennial blessing, will be, well be that as it may. What I want to do this afternoon is to draw your attention to these three questions. 
and in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ this afternoon, apply them to our own Christian life. The question here in John 21 is directed by the Lord Jesus to Peter. Simon Peter, the Lord says, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? I had a very remarkable experience with a priest in Bolivia not so long ago. It has been my portion to come in contact with several of these priests, and I do remember one in particular, Dr. Sardan, the father confessor of the Cathedral of Sucre. He was happily led to Christ through the reading of the Gospel of John. And you know, he recounted to me how that in the confessional, he said, Brother, I was not interested one jot in what those folk were saying to me and whispering through that hole there into my ear. He said, I was absorbed with the love of Christ in the Gospel of John. And he said, in the confessional, dear brother, I got on my knees and accepted him as my Savior. But there was another case which was very interesting to me and I asked prayer for him. I've mentioned it before. A priest who is very much on my heart, and his name is Schmeier. He's of German extract. And this is the little story I want to tell you about. It's so interesting. The mayor of a certain town came up to me one day and said, Mr. Smith, our car is not functioning, and as you have your pickup here, would you like to do me a favor? He said, there'll be eight or ten of us but he said, I would be so glad if you could take me to the next town. The chief of police wants to go, and his secretary, and I need a secretary and four guards and so on. I said, sir, I would be glad to serve you under the one condition that the chief of police will allow me to preach the gospel in the main square when we get there. And the chief of police comes along and says, go ahead, Smith, you're all right. I'll give you the liberty. But what the point is this, beloved. Every one of these, these authorities were immediately whisked off to their respective abodes and here was I left in the square alone when suddenly the priest of the town came across the square to me and he said, will you kindly abide with me tonight? By that time one of the brothers, a teacher in one of our schools in Yulu had seen this. He'd been up there sowing the word of God and he comes up behind me and stands pretty close. And the priest said, you kindly stay with me. Well, I said, sir, I'd like to let you know who I am. I'm the evangelist of this region. He says, I know who you are. For that reason, I want you to come and stay with me. And then he walked off to get ready. And this brother said, beware, Brother Smith, there may be some poison there. Oh, yes. Well, I went, and what do you think happened? That evening, the priest asked me into his beautiful room, and he said, Mr. Smith, I'm studying the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John in Greek. Would you like to join me? I said, well, I would. And it was he, he'd gotten to these verses. To these verses. And he said, you know, there's a difference between 
these two words concerning love? I said, yes, I've noticed the difference. He said, when the Lord Jesus says to Simon, you know, lovest thou me, he uses the, the, most, the most profound form of the love of God. But when Peter replies, he uses a different word, which would be more the love of the head. And that was the beginning, dear friends, of two happy readings on the Gospel of John, on this chapter with the priest. And he confessed at last, he says, you know, Mr. Smith, at the age of 16, I accepted the Lord Jesus as my Savior in Alsace-Lorraine. But he said, thinking I could serve the Lord better, I decided to become a priest, but I'm unhappy. His name is Smyer. Pray for him, please, beloved. A very cultured Alsatian priest, a man of about 48 years of age, a delightful brother. And he said, before I left, he said, if you could only get me the gospel of John in the ink of tongue, Brother Smith, I would be thrilled to read it after the mass so that these poor Indians could get something for their souls. Now, when I was back in Bolivia, and I'll try and make this as short as possible, when I was back in Bolivia, not this last time, but the time before, I had the joy of leading an attorney to Christ and his, and his wife. And this attorney came up to me this last time and he said, Mr. Smith, Schmeier is asking about you where you are. He wonders where you are. But I want to tell you, he's been dynamited out of the town by the Roman Catholics. Everything that he had was confiscated and he was dynamited, but he said he wasn't killed, but everything he had was blown to bits. Pray for him. There is a difference between these words. One is indeed the love of the head. The other is the love of the heart. And even though Peter replies three times, we have found in our translation work that God's Holy Spirit makes no errors it's the same love of the head. Now, you dear young people, this afternoon I feel unworthy to take up such a theme as this. Lovest thou me more than these? Is there anything in this world that would usurp the place that Christ demands in your life this afternoon and mine? that would hinder you from saying, Lord Jesus, I am not only thine forever, but I am thine to serve thee. I am reminded of another case. My first wife, we were just married a very short time and the Lord took her home with cancer. She was a nurse from the Bellevue Hospital of New York a surgical nurse there for years with the noted gynecologist, Dr. Cole. And she was an intimate friend of the Borden family. And of course, we got to know them very intimately. The Borden family, the milk, you know, the tin milk, Borden's tin milk. One day we were reading this in the presence of their only son a college fellow, graduate of Yale. 
And of course I got in there because I do belong, I did belong, beloved, to that same fraternity. Because there is a fraternity between the University of Melbourne and the University of Yale. But that's by the way. But that helped to get into that home. Reading this, we read, and this dear young man of 24 years, one of the brightest students that ever went through Yale, some of you may have read his book, The Borden of Yale. Lovest thou me more than all this? A multimillionaire family with everything at his disposition. And he said to my dear wife, Miss Driver, she was then, that's a very pointed word that we're having. It has been laid on my heart to serve the Lord Jesus in Tibet. But as I'm the only son and heir of this family, I have a certain amount of opposition from the family. But he said, by the grace of God, I'm going to take the gospel to Tibet. The day came when he was on the boat to go to Tibet with these words ringing in his, in his heart, Lovest thou me more than all this? All that this rich family could confer upon him. He goes to Tibet and in six months dies on the highlands of Tibet. Was it worth it? Indeed it was. Six months and he was gone home to be with the Lord. Another little instance, and you'll pardon something personal. In the year 1915, when the Lord touched this poor heart of mine to serve him, and that's a long time ago, these same words came up before me. And the Lord Jesus, as if he had come straight to me and touched me on the shoulder and said, my child, lovest thou me more than everything else in this scene? And I said, Lord Jesus, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said, will you serve me? And I got on my knees and I said, Lord Jesus, I'll serve thee. A poor sinner saved by thy grace. And that's a long time ago. By his grace. <clears throat> That, that was at five o'clock in the morning in prayer before the Lord and I got dressed hurriedly and went down the long passageway that led to the room of dear father and mother knocked at the door not an answer, it was early afterwards I heard mother's voice saying who is it? I said it's Eric what are you doing up at this hour son? I said, I want to tell you something. I'm going to Bolivia. Going to Bolivia through the door. She said, come in. And she opened the door. And she broke down and cried. And so did Father. And you know what she said? She said, Lord Jesus, if I had 50 sons, I'd say, Lord, take the lot. That was encouraging. Take the lot. It was easy to go. Oh, that we might ponder these things, dear young men and women. I want to say this to you from the depths of my soul this afternoon. 
Do you love the Lord Jesus more than anything else in this wide world? Do you? My dear brother Hugh, a man of God, whom God called to go to India as a servant of Christ, and he married a wife who wasn't interested. And dear Hugh never went, and he went back to his profession. And very shortly afterwards, from the third story of his construction, his men working for him said, Mr. Smith, you're a heavy man. Don't go across that plank. The wind is too strong. He says, I'll be all right. And in the middle of the, of the crossing, the wind caught him and blew him into the street and was smashed to bits. Father had to come and recognize his son. And he couldn't recognize him, hardly because he was smashed to bits. And when mother heard of that, she says, I can't weep. My son was a disobedient son. God took him away. Oh, it's real. And there are some young men and women in this hall, in this meeting room this afternoon. I know that God is touching. There are some young people here who are not Christ yet, who have heard the story of his redeeming love and are stealing their hearts. They love something in this world, this hell-going world that's holding them back from receiving my precious Savior. And there are some young people here I know whose hearts God has deeply touched these days, these meetings rather, who are undecided, who are saying, Lord Jesus, what shall I do? A young man came up to me, he was graduating, getting his BA just the other week. And he said, Mr. Smith, I'm graduating and getting my BA and I don't know what to do. I said, don't you? Come with me then, dear brother, and let us get on our knees and read Romans 12 together. I beseech you by the tender mercies of God there. We've translated that the tender mercies of God. And beloved, how can we ever understand the tender mercies of God apart from Calvary? Apart from Calvary, we cannot understand the tender mercies of God. I hope that that young man has changed his thinking. But we'll come back to that in a moment. Let us look now at this covenant in uh, Samuel. Chapter 18. We read in verse 1, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan is a type of the believer. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Saul is a type of the carnal man. And then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. 
And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David. You dear young men and women, have you done that? Have you done that? In the presence of that blessed one who hears every word and knows every thought and the intent of your hearts this afternoon, have you done that? We trust that you have. Lovest thou me more than these? Have you stripped yourself? And we notice here that he stripped himself of the robe that was a princely robe. He was the prince, the son of the king. And he gave it to David. Oh, isn't that lovely? Where the whole realm of, of nature ours, that were an offering far too small. Love that transcends our highest powers demands my life, my soul, my all. Have you done it? Have you stripped yourself, dear young Christian? You young women, you young men in the prime of life, if we could only have taken you to that dark land of Bolivia and let you look into the faces of those several hundreds of happy saints, I wonder if your heart would go out to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, let me go, I can't stay. It becomes a fire shut up in the bones and we become weary with it until we say, Lord, send me, send me. His garment, even to his sword, and to his bow, which we read, was mighty in Israel, and to his girdle. Everything, beloved, that was dear to Jonathan, he stripped himself and gave it to David. But what happens? Let us look on a little further. In verse 16 of chapter 20, we'll hurry along with this. In verse 16 of chapter 20 we read, So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. And you know the rest of the story there concerning the arrows and the little fellow and the shooting of the arrows according to the distance that these arrows would fall, so would David know whether it was safe to come out of his hiding. Jonathan was a real friend to him. But later on we notice something else. Verse 41. And as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times and they kissed one another and wept one with another until David exceeded. Oh, I just love that. Dear young Christian, there is no love like the love of your lovely man 
who loved us and gave himself for us, David exceeded, exceeded. And it is this love of Christ that constraineth young men and women and old men and women too to let everything go that Christ be magnified whether in life or whether in death. I remember an interesting case when I was in England in company with St. John, Harold St. John. And then for a while with dear Mr. Uh, Barker and Mace and others and Walter Scott was still alive. There was a Hindu came back from, from India and they called him the missionary of the blood-stained feet. And I wondered why they called him that. That dear man was at his last ebb when he came to England. But he had been along those highlands of India, up in those mountains, at the foot of the Himalayan mountains. And he always went barefooted. And thirty long years that dear man was there spreading the word of God among those fanatical people. And oftentimes his feet covered with blood. And on this occasion, the sisters in England in that particular part had made him a nice pair of slippers. And he said, thank you so much. But he said, I prefer to go just barefooted to remind myself of my Savior more. And he went to be with the Lord on those highlands of that mighty mountain range with his poor old feet. They found him dead on one of those passes along the mountains. Oh, beloved, he didn't want a pair of shoes. He said, my Savior, I'm reminded more of my precious Savior when these feet of mine are cut and bleeding. I'm reminded of my Savior. A Hindu. There was one who loved his Savior and gave himself for gave himself in the service of Christ. What happens here? David exceeded. Now, there's a crisis here in the life of Jonathan. And John, verse 42, And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me and thee, and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. A retrograde step, beloved. Why did Jonathan go back into the city? Why didn't he go into rejection with David? He could have been the second in the kingdom. He went back to the city. And if you follow the history of Jonathan, until you come to the second at second book of Samuel, chapter 1, you'll find what happened to Jonathan because he just would not take rejection with David. It's, it's a lament in the, in the first chapter of second Samuel. I'd like to read it. Oh, that it might be burned into our hearts this afternoon. Verse 17. War breaks out 
the carnal man is slain, the sons of, of Saul are slain in battle, and David finds his beloved Jonathan dead on the battlefield. Like so many more believers who will not put Christ first, the Lord Jesus first, dead on this battlefield of life. What a sad spectacle. We've seen them. They're everywhere. Young believers, happy in the Lord, going on brightly. When something has taken hold of their spiritual understanding and they have had a different object, object in view and they become just as Jonathan, dead on the battlefield of life. How sad. Let us read this lament. David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan. That's verse 17 and his son. Jonathan's son. Also he bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. The beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath, publish it not in the streets of Ascalon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you nor fields of offerings, for there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. Ye daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with other delights who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle. O Jonathan, thou wast slain in thine high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. And here is a wonderful portion of this lament. The Lord Jesus loves you. And he loves anything that would occupy your souls this afternoon with his glory to please him. And I can see in the face of many here a desire to do that. This is comforting for you. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. And now, how are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perish? What shall we say this afternoon to it all? Lovest thou me more than these? Just ask yourself the question. I've grown old in the service of Christ. And as I look across this sea of faces, my heart longs to see a definite consecration to Christ on the part of many here. Lovest thou me more than these? Yes, Lord, I, thou knowest I love thee, but, but, 
I just can't do that. Yes, you can. You can. We're going to sing a hymn now. I've finished. Let us sing a hymn, number 283. When we survey the wondrous cross on which the Lord of glory died, our richest gain we count but loss and pour contempt on all our pride. Forbid it, Lord, that we should both save in the death of Christ our God all the vain things that charm me most. We'd sacrifice them to his blood. Would you do that? He knows your hearts this afternoon. I can see some interested faces here. We'd sacrifice them to his blood. There from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flowed mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose? So rich a crown, were the whole realm of nature ours, that were an offering far too small. Love that transcends our highest powers, demands our soul, our life are all. Were the whole realm of nature ours, that were an offering far too small. Oh, I've often thought of Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you by the tender mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And the apostle says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what does that mean? It means to think God's thoughts about it, not your own thoughts any longer. And we have in Ephesians 1, wisdom and prudence there. What for? Among those seven specific blessings of Ephesians 1, just to think God's thoughts. 